0: Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You are listening to the Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you nationwide from the Bass Edge Studios.
1: It right there Bass Edge radio listeners we got a little homie in the house with Eric Church love the music love the intro we are here episode 263 ready to rock it on dude fall is in the air Aaron
2: it is in the air Kurt and uh you know the song matches your personality but I tell you something else that matches Bass Edge's personality and that is of course our partners at Wear Keelguard you know Kurt I've got to figure out how to mount one of those flex. On my bed because I can tell with age. Oh my God. I, I needed to get up in my bed, but no. In all seriousness, be sure to put on the protection the pros pick with the first do it yourself keel protector and certainly check out all of the other great products at MegaWare Keelguard. Visit them at keelguard.com.
1: Hey, Aaron. If you're using the flex step to jump in the bed, you gotta get to the gym more, buddy. We gotta get to the gym. I mean, <laughs> That's, feel like that's guy, for sure. Man. That's for sure. You're not in your fifties and sixties. You need to keep the momentum flowing. You gotta keep that going. Although it's great to have the flex step and have that assistance, specifically in a boat. I mean, you're talking about three or four feet. Your bed, uh, maybe not so much. But anyway, we're not gonna go there any further. What yes. we are gonna go to is, you know, we just had Pete Glusick on our last episode. And you were on Bass. University representing Bass Edge. How does that work, Kurt? That's right, man. I got a call from uh Justin Kimmel and and he helps Pete and Ike work the Bass University programming. And you know, I'm up here in Pennsylvania, so I was able to cruise over there to uh, New Jersey, get some studio time with Pete, man. We had a lot of fun, did some great tips, talked to uh some great anglers, we talked to an angler we're gonna have on today, Forestwood Cup champion Justin Atkins. But uh hey look, man, it was awesome to represent bass edge radio and be on bass university it was a lot of fun they got some great programming i hope we can continue you know just kind of having some fun with those guys it's great banter back and forth and um they have a great educational program as we do here on bass edge um the reason bass edge is so great is because you're not gonna wreck while you're driving down the road like <laughs> that's <laughs> right <laughs> you don't want right. to be watching the live videos on bass you that's for a different timing of the day but dude it is a lot of fun i gotta say i, I mentioned i'm up here in pennsylvania dude we got down to 49 degrees this morning and i'm not like way up pa i'm i'm down here like around pittsburgh area but uh fall is definitely on the way my man
2: well i think the uh eclipse has has kicked things in gear because we went from you know triple digits at least in the midwest and then at uh, kind of really an unusual august i know uh, like you said woke up uh, this morning for this taping and certainly the steam was coming off my pool it looked like one of those early fall mornings on the lake but you know kurt i've got to pick your brain a little bit how are these temperatures going to relate for the upcoming event at douglas
1: yeah i'm not sure you know douglas is going to be an interesting and more a little bit farther south obviously than i am here experiencing that cool weather and in- Pennsylvania. But um, I think for a general purpose, a lot of times we want to push fall along too fast, you know, and uh, we do the same thing in the springtime. We want to speed up when it feels nice and warm outside, and we think those fish are going to be reacting that quick, and um, they're not. We, we got to stay slow. I think conversely, same thing in the fall. You know, we get those first couple of cold fronts that move in, those first cool nights, that water temp drops, you know, four, five, six degrees pretty quickly. And um, we want to make those fish, you know, all of a sudden be really active, you know, and, and they're just not quite there yet. So I don't think it's really going to play a whole lot of role. And, and how things go down at Douglas. You're going to have some shallow water fish. Obviously, you always do. That really generally starts you know, late in the summer when those bait fish start suspending up off of the bottom. You know, you get a small population that moves shallow, gets around shallow cover. Obviously, the river is going to come into play. I think the majority of the population is still out there over deep water, but it's going to be tough because, as I mentioned before, a lot of fish still suspended. It's going to feel a lot better better in the morning, and it's going to be a little bit cooler, but I don't think the fish are really going to start reacting yet. you got to wait for that fall water temp to get into that kind of high 60s range before I think some real bait fish start that good migration in the back of the creeks, but it should make for a great event. I'm looking forward to it. The overall gist, I want to make sure all the Bass Edge listeners understand, fall's coming, and don't push it too hard. You know, if you've only got a little bit of time to get out there and fish, maybe wait you know just a few more weeks until that water temperature decreases that fish activity really starts to pick up yeah
2: certainly uh, you know it all comes back to photo period which we've heard many times discussed in our tip segments throughout all of the episodes here on bass Edge. so great point
1: well i tell you what aaron we got another great point coming through right here with protecttheharvest.com let's hear what's up next TechTheHarvest.com the harvest.com tackle tip with Rick Morse.
3: All right, guys, I got a good fall cranking tip for you. When the switch between wide wobble and a tight wobble. You know, I'm a big fan of the square bill wide wobble, and it's a great crankbait anywhere in the country. doesn't really matter the brand. The wide wobble is usually better with more active fish or stained water. So pay attention to your watercolor, whatever part of the country you're in. So if your water stained or if you have some current, I still stick with the wide wobble in the fall. If you have some reservoirs where they're, it's a little clean or clear or deep and you don't have current, and fish in the fall are going to be really difficult. So that's when you want a nice, tight wobble, not putting out too much uh, vibration. Stick with the shad colors, cover some water. I seem to get a lot more bites that way. There's a lot of different crankbaits that are tight. You know, there's the old traditional shad wraps, but there's a lot of other ones on the market today. Stick with your shad colors. Lighter line. They're a little more difficult to cast. You don't need your large, uh, traditional cranking rods. Something A little smaller, 7-foot, medium light. Cover them rocky banks, those deep water edges, just into the mouths of the creeks, or even sometimes the main river bluffs. That's a great tip, Rick. Thank you very much.
0: First by land, and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine Products, specifically engineered for Marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and Marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Fishing Boats is now the official boat of Bass Edge Radio. Be sure to check out the Nitro Z Series Performance Fishing Boats. The 2017 lineup features five boats ranging from 17.4 up to 21 foot 2 inches. Two new models for 2017 include the Nitro Z17, our entry level bass boat at 17 foot 4 inches and rated for 115 horsepower. The flagship of the Nitro lineup, the Nitro Z21 at 21.2 in length. Its performance and fishability is unmatched. Designed with input from top elite pros like KVD, Edwin Evers, Rick Klun, and Ott DeFoe. Nitro Performance Fishing Boats. Champions aren't born, they're made.
2: Well, Kurt, I know September has a lot of names. I like to sometimes think of it as Septic September, but uh, that's not always the case because evidently... The blaster has been showing it must be top water time.
1: You're not kidding, dude. Top water ruled the world in the uh, cup just last month. So, Bass Blaster broke it down really good. Again, you know, if you want to make sure all of our Bass Edge listeners get the Bass Blaster, basically, it's an email that you get. It's going to give you all kinds of good inside scoop on bass fishing, a lot of neat little stories that Jay Kumar puts together. But uh, make sure you sign up for that. And you can simply do that by sending an email to to BassBlaster at BassGold.com and uh, just say, hey, I want to be in the blaster, and they'll start sending you the emails. So great way to do that. But you're right. The interesting thing about the topwater bite, they broke it down by bait, and there was one specific lure that was blowing it out of the water compared to every other lure out there at the Forcewood Cup, and that was the IMA Little Stick 135. 30% were being caught on that topwater bait. So um, it was pretty interesting. Walking baits did well. Pencil popper baits did good as well. But uh, it was cool how you, how you had a brand. cool for me because I'm actually, you know, associated with Ima. So uh, it was cool for me to kind of see Ima getting a little love and see how many guys were throwing it out there. It was pretty awesome. Talking about getting a little love, Aaron, I know that, uh, you know, through our years together here at Bass Edge Radio, your daughter is starting to really, you know, grow and, and do get into all kinds of stuff. She's a tennis star. I'm going to call her a tennis star because I, I see her videos online and, and she's got a great Instagram page. And thankfully for Bass Edge, she's into the social media and uh, she kind of pushed you over the edge on some of the social Oh media man, stuff. she
2: did. She did. And uh, you know, hats off to the young people. You know, she's 13, going to be 14 here shortly, but uh, mature beyond her years concerning me when it comes to technology. So yes, she's been pushing pushing he's like dad to relate to the college anglers to the younger audience that's a lot younger than you and I Kurt really been pushing for that Instagram so officially bass edge has an Instagram to go with the Twitter and the Facebook and it's at bass edge radio at bass edge radio on Instagram so do me a favor make my daughter proud make Maya proud and uh, everybody who is part of that Instagram scene, go out there and uh, be a part of that as well, and that way you can stay connected across all three mediums of the social media.
1: Just so Bass Edge people know, we are not caught back into the early two thousands. Aaron is the only one that thinks Instagram is new. Just- <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: touche, touche. Yeah. So no, you're you are correct there, but the the beauty that I like about the social media, even though I don't have my own page, Kurt, is it gives us the ability to get these great giveaways. That we have going on out there. And certainly, you know, August, you know, was huge success. And I'm excited about what's coming up for September.
1: Yeah, August, huge success. We had the Lucas Oil giveaway, and uh, we were happy to give that away to the winner there. And probably one of our videos that had the most shares, lots of likes, lots of views. So let's connect the dots here, Aaron. What are we going to have on tap for a giveaway in September on our uh, Bass Edge Facebook? Yeah, it's going to be somewhat epic from the
2: standpoint it's 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 cash basically it's it's a $100 o'reilly auto parts gift card and you know what that means that means you can go in and spend it any way you want, whether it 's a new battery that you need, whether it 's uh, you know something for your tow vehicle windshield wipers, whatever for the females out there that may or may not want it for themselves. Hey, give it away to your significant other, save yourself a hundred bucks and go buy you some new fishing tackle or buy something uh, for yourself so it 's cold, hard one hundred dollars spendable money inside an o'Reilly auto parts, the better parts, better prices every day segment that always sponsors our listener question with uh, some great advice great questions and great information from the anglers and speaking of great information from the anglers kurt guess who's dialing in we have on the line right now forest wood cup champion justin atkins coming at us right now let's get him patched in and get this party started Hey, you got professional angler, David Mullins.
3: This is SLW Tour Pro, Bradley Hallman. I'm professional angler, John Cox. Bass, Mass nice, Elite, Series Angler, Dave Baby, Cliff Crochet. This is Bass, Elite, Angler, Chris Lane. This is Bass University Pro, Pete Gluzek on Bass Edge Radio. We'll be right
0: back.
1: All right, Bass Edge Nation, we've got the most sought-after angler in the bass fishing industry in the last month or so. We've got FLW Tour rookie and Forest Wood Cup champion Justin Atkins hanging with us right here on Bass Edge Radio. Thanks for being with us today, Justin.
4: Absolutely, man. I appreciate y'all having me on. It's been a pleasure, you know, getting to speak with so many people after this, and I'm really looking forward to it
2: today. Well, Justin, you know, I can't say in the 263 episodes that we've done that uh, I've ever heard Kurt mention, rookie, and also Forestwood Wood Cup champion in the same sentence. And I'm sure it's been a whirlwind since you uh, won the Cup a few weeks back. What is the most surprising thing that you really didn't expect since you hosted that trophy up in South Carolina?
4: You know, probably just all the exposure it got me I mean I know being you know a kid and I knew exactly who always won the cup and all that but until you're really that person it's just amazing to me you know how many people are keeping up with the sport of bass fishing how many fans are out there and just how much that puts you in the public eye And you know I've absolutely loved every minute of it it's awesome to have kids looking up to you and whatnot it's always been a dream that's a bass fisherman's dream come true for sure so that really surprised me I've always just been Justin Atkins to me but kind of being somebody to some of the younger generation now. So you know, truly awesome experience that I never really you
1: know wrapped my mind around before this whole thing happened. Yeah, dude, it's awesome. I've had the pleasure to talk to you twice now. Uh, we were on together a week or so ago on Bass University, and that was great to get to hear some of the awesome things that've been going on. And I've just heard you everywhere out there in the media, and I got to give you props, dude. You're doing a great job. You're a great ambassador for FLW, and man, just a great champion. And it's just been a pleasure to hear everything that you've been involved with. You. Had a solid rookie FLW Tour campaign, then you roll out the cup championship to seal it off. Obviously, Jordan Lee won the Classic this year, young guy, a couple years out of college. It seems the newcomers to the sport of bass fishing as far as, you know, younger generation. I mean, I think you're 27, right? Correct. Yeah. So, I mean, often, you know, you're seeing some of you guys have really quick success. I saw a little snippet on Bass Zone about you and Dustin Connell and, and the Lee guys and, gosh, who else? was? I think it was Brandon Cobb or Shane LaHue, But how quickly you guys have all had some success what do you think the guys that have been around for five six seven years are missing or what can you do to keep that kind of momentum rolling and why do you think it's it's kind of a new flush right now of a generation of anglers coming into the sport you
4: know i kind of feel like there's kind of two deals to that and the first one being you know a lot of us are young guys you know all the guys you're referring to are really young and we don't have families, things like that i'm recently married but the only child i have is a eight-week-old black lab so i'm i can just fish every single day and i feel like guys that you know have been doing it for five ten years whatever have started to kind of build some more obligations whether it be a family or possibly a side job or things like that that just doesn't allow them quite as much time on the water and you know there's nothing wrong with that that's you know perfectly fine but the more time you spend on the water, the more I feel like you can just stay in tune. I feel like you make better decisions. It doesn't matter if you're fishing on your home lake every day or going somewhere new. Just kind of staying in touch with what the fish are doing, I feel like, is a really big deal. And uh, I don't know, you just kind of stay in touch with nature, maybe what the fish are telling you, and uh, you pick up on things like that quicker. The other thing is that I feel like I see sometimes, I feel like guys kind of get complacent. You know, they do this day in and day out, you know, going from one tournament to the next. And they kind of find a rhythm to where, you know, they kind of know what they need to catch to get a check, kind of figure out how to get a check, and they get kind of complacent. And I feel like some of these younger guys come out here and they're really hungry, you know, to try to find a spot, you know, in this industry and try to make a name for themselves. And I don't know, I just kind of feel like I see maybe we're a little bigger gamble takers, risk takers, and, you know, it seems to just pay off. And, you know, I may be completely wrong by saying that, but that's just kind of how I feel like I've seen some things go down. Some guys that probably could have done things a little different and possibly pulled out a win where guys in my shoes you know have nothing to lose and they're over there for 10 days pre-practicing and they kind of get something figured out it could be a little risky but they go do it anyways and it kind of tends to pay off so that's kind of my whole take on that it's interesting that you're asking that because I've actually sat back and kind of studied it and thought about it and really just kind of let that soak in because I don't ever want to get to where I'm complacent you always got to be evolving in this sport so I want to stay on top of that for sure
1: I think it's super important I think you're right I think uh uh, you know Jamie Hartman, kind of a new guy on the Bass Elite series this year, has really made a big splash. And uh, he left uh, everything behind, right? You know, kind of, kind of sold his house and and just or, or moved out of his house and just lived on the road for several years. And it's a huge thing. I also think that you know, young guys like yourself, you're more open minded. You know, you tend to adjust a little for bit quicker it, yeah. and kind of go with the flow a little bit better. You know, if you're flipping for you know 30 minutes, you'll adjust quicker, maybe run out deep or throw a crank bait instead of flip where you know some of the guys that have been around longer they'll flip for three hours and still not get a bite and then wonder what happened and then they're just a little bit slower to make some of those adjustments maybe it's you know because they've seen a condition and they think eventually it's going to come together but sometimes it doesn't
4: correct yeah and that kind of falls back under that being complacent you know kind of doing this day in and day out you know mindset that i was referring to i mean and That's so hard not to get into that. I'm not knocking anybody or anything when I say sure, that sure. I mean, yeah. if you do anything day in and day out, that just it's so easy to get hung up in one mindset, and like you said, I feel like this new generation's kind of fresh at it. you know we haven't been doing it for five six, seven years, like you said, it's just real easy for us to kind of roll with things and um read the moment a little bit better, I think.
2: Yeah, no doubt there, Justin. And certainly, you know, when we're talking about fishing, a lot of us often reference, well, they were doing this or they were doing that based upon those conditions. And the reality is, like you said, you've got to look at the moment and you've got to fish the moment. Now, one thing I did notice, and probably a lot of other people did too, that's fairly uncommon, you rolled out with one or two rods on the deck nearly the entire tournament. And, of course, again, we're talking about the uh, the Forcewood Cup there. But I'm very interested for you to break down the bait that you used at the Cup to win the championship and was this pattern an all or nothing proposition for a strategy?
1: Well,
4: to break that down for you, you know, I I went out there and I located the type of cover I wanted to fish, which was cane piles after, you know, not having some success shallow, found some fish out deep, that was the cover they're holding on. So there's kind of two ways to approach cane pile fishing or brush fishing in general, and a heron lake, and that is to throw a fluke style bait. And you want to rig it kind of as straight as possible where it'll reel and kind of run straight through the water look like a heron. Herring heron doesn't make a whole lot of side-to-side movement or none of that. He swims real straight and real fast. Or you can throw a topwater bait to mimic possibly a wounded herring, you know, on the surface, washing around, and or possibly some schooling activity. You know, you're just trying to... Stimulate the fish by making all that racket on the surface, making them think that maybe some fish are stilling, They come up to the surface and find that topwater bait, and then they eat it. So in practice, I was throwing the float-style bait a pretty good bit, and I got a lot of bites on it. But out of 10 bites, eight of them were two-pounders, two-and-a-half-pounders, something like that. And I changed and started throwing the topwater bait a little bit more in practice, and I wasn't getting quite as many bites, but when I got a bite, it was a good one. You know, out of 10 bass, seven of them would be three-plus pounders. So I realized real quick, I don't know if it was just making more noise to attract those bigger ones or if the big ones were just more attracted to it. I, I don't know what it was. You know, I don't know if the smaller fish were maybe more up in the water column. They could see that fluke style bait better. That's why they were always getting to it at first. And maybe just the big bait deterred them more. I, I really don't know. I could never put my finger on it. And don't get me wrong. Some guys caught some really big ones on the fluke style bait. I mean, Brandon caught a six-pounder the last day. Right. Yeah. You know, reeling a fluke with some scholars So it would definitely work, but I felt like my chances to catch a giant were better throwing the topwater bait. And in this event, you know, it's not a points deal. You don't have to for sure catch five or, you know, you're not worried about making it to the championship. You need a few extra points. Let's be sure to catch that fifth one. I mean, I just need to catch big ones and do whatever I could to catch five big ones. And I felt like, you know, I would get seven to ten bites. morning on that big top water and if i could just get five of them in the boat i was gonna have the ones that i wanted for sure
1: how about the deal with the uh you know only having a couple rods on the deck i mean you know guy has success you kind of figure out the bite and this cane pile deal that that we've heard about but it's it's not really common for you to think okay well if i don't get a couple of key top water bites in the morning i'm gonna have to go shallow or i'm gonna have to throw a shaky head or a football jig at some brush and some of the other things we saw other anglers do at the cup to have some success but uh you had one rod i remember at the beginning i was like well, I couldn't tell if you were barefoot or not because you had the flip-flops on. You were super relaxed, just chilling, and then just one rod, man, you are up there just slinging it away, so was that kind of for you? Uh, yeah. I mean, did you have other stuff tied on? Did you have 10 other rods tied on in the rod locker that you were just like, I'm going to leave those there because I really feel like this is coming, but I am ready to do other stuff, or did you just rig two rods every night? Yeah, that for was sure. <laughs> <laughs> no. in
0: the
4: beginning of the week, yeah, I mean, I started off, I had the whole bus bait deal rigged up. I had a bait kind of pitch around. Okay. Um, I had a shaky head, a big worm, and a drop shot. That way later in the day, if, you know, I felt like I needed to get a bite, I could throw a worm out there around those cane piles and, you know, that might just really never, you know, unfolded for me. I caught one or two in practice late in the day I would, you know, purposely stop and try to fish some piles with a worm, and I caught a few, but that wasn't ever, you know, just a real big deal. That once they quit biting the top water, I could start catching them on the worm. If that fish was feeding at all, the top water was definitely the way to catch him, even if it was later in the day. You know, the bite was really good from seven to about ten, and then it was mediocre from ten to eleven, and then it got almost nonexistent from eleven on. But what I found was if I just kept fishing and kept fishing, I was still going to get a bite or two before weigh-in if I kept that time water in my hand. It would still, you know, potentially be a giant, but it wasn't an every cane pile kind of getting a bite deal, you know, right. like it would be in the morning. So I just told myself, like, if you're going to win this tournament, you don't need to be just trying to get a bite. You need to be making the most of your time and trying to catch a big one. And just had that mindset that I may not get, but you know, six or seven bites all day. And it's hard to land them all on a top water. but that's how it really played well was. I didn't have to worry about that. I caught a limit early every morning when they were really biting. Um, made some good decisions, ended up in some good places, and all I needed was two rods on the deck. I had one with a 7-to-1 Gear Ratio Revo SX, and that was my just casting out over cane piles rod and reel setup, and the 7-to-1 helped me keep a good cadence you know, I didn't work it too fast, didn't work it too slow, I could just keep a good rhythm. And then I had another one with a Revo STX that was an 8 to 1 gear ratio and I had it rigged up for if they came up schooling way out there and you could rear back and make a good long cast Well, the problem with that is, sometimes the heron will change directions so you can't lead the fish and, or you do lead the fish and the heron changes directions and they start schooling opposite of where you just cast so you need to get that bait back as quick as you can and make another cast out there. And uh, another good example I had too, I was the last morning i had one blow my bait up real close to the boat and it reversed my hook well i started trying to get the bait back and fish blows up on it again so i just really as quick as i can and drop that rod pick the other one up make an underhand pitch out there and catch a four pounder and uh so just having two on deck because you never know a situation like that occurs fish blows up messes your bait up where it won't properly work anymore You need to get back out there as quick as possible. If it wasn't for that situation possibly going down, like if it had been a flipping deal, I would have just had one rod out. But you never know when you might need that second one. And it paid off, you know, on more than one occasion having two exact same thing
1: but that really worked out awesome man well, that's, that's a great explanation and a great job obviously the winner fourth wood cup champion tell you what justin we're going to take a quick break bass edge radio will be right back with more in-depth discussion with justin atkins when we return oh 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 all right.
2: edge radio brought to you by nitro boats returns with forest wood cup champion justin atkins in the lucas oil angler spotlight that's right lucas oil high performance marine products from real oils to two cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements visit them at lucasoil.com it's works
1: well justin september is upon us and it can be a difficult time of year you know most bass anglers have you know seen through august it, it can be tough from time to time uh, you made it look pretty easy but uh, it's some tough fishing and september is really kind of getting closer to that fall transition month what do you like to do to kind of locate bass consistently during this september time frame and what are your strengths during this time of year it
4: seems like in september on most reservoirs you know in the united states bass really start getting keyed in on fours, start trying to feed up for, you know, those winter months. And that's when you start getting a lot of schooling activity. So my favorite thing to probably do, you know, in September is to try to find the bait. If you have a lake with grass in it, you know, get out off the edge of the grass, look to see if you see any bait flickering, see if you see any schooling activity. You know, if you're on a deep clear reservoir that's not going to have any grass, get out over those points, throw a big topwater bait, and watch for the fish coming up in any kind of schooling activity. If you are in more of a dirty water lake, I tend to find that the bait gets real, real shallow and so september and that's when you start catching those fish up around you know hard covers just downs and things like that on a big spinnerbait and that's probably my absolute favorite thing to do and i can get up in the dirt with my troll motor all up my motor trimmed out of water and throw that big spinnerbait targets i really love doing that and that uh that september time of the year as soon as it starts to try to cool off just a little that's when that starts getting really key and Fishing in September is always bait oriented. You want to, you know, mimic the forage the fish are after. You you, you don't want to be throwing a wire out there in an area where the fish are coming up school and find you a bait that's about the right size, a little swim bait if they're feeding on a really small forage or you know whatever it may be. If you know you're running down a grass edge and the fish are schooling a little bit, shed get you a multi-bladed spinner bait, like a four or five-bladed spinner bait that has little blades, just something to kind of mimic the size of the bait that the fish are feeding on. And that's what I always try to key on. September like the fish get really dialed in to one thing. And if you're not throwing that one thing or something that looks like that one thing, you know, fishing days in September can be really tough. But if you get it dialed in, you can have some really awesome experiences in September.
2: Well, Justin, you know, you, you speak about getting it dialed in. And obviously, you know, fishing this time of year, you're bringing up specific forage. How do you decide what option to choose? Meaning, what are, have you seen or experienced in the past? And what makes that defining factor for you to really concentrate one way or the other?
4: I guess the biggest thing is, is just kind of pay attention to what's going on. If your so fish are schooling a lot, you're probably going to have a lot of bait fish high in the water column. So, wearing your Costa sunglasses so you can see into the water good and watch for a ball of bait to come by. Or while they're schooling, a lot of times, you know, they'll bust the bait up out of the water. And just pay attention to how big that bait is. And then, you know, you'll see what's kind of going on, and then you can start going from there. One fall, a couple years ago, the fish were schooling really good. They were running up and down the grass edges and uh we were throwing alabama rigs to catch them and i was throwing like a 4-3 and a 3-8 kitek i was having a hard time getting any bites i was catching a few but i knew there was a lot more fish in the area well some bait come by or something and i noticed they were really small so i dug in my box and i got some 3-3 kiteks and that's only you know an inch to a half an inch from what i was throwing but it made so much difference it was unbelievable i went to catching just every other cast catching doubles things like that so that just goes to show that in the fall time of year, a lot of the bait is all the same size and the basket keyed in on one, you know, one thing. And that's, uh, that's definitely what you need to be throwing. If you end up in a situation where, you know, the fish are not feeding on shad or herring or whatever it may be, and you feel like it's in more of a crawfish type deal or, you know, whatever it is, just pay attention to like, you know, if you catch one, look in his mouth, see if there's pinchers sticking out, anything like that that could just give you a clue on what fish are eating. Because I just feel like the fall is such a dial time of year that the fish get so specific on one thing
1: that's a great tip man i tell you what you've been just tearing this thing up we've been having some great answers you've been really laying it out there for all our bass Edge listeners we're going to move right into o'reilly auto parts better parts better prices every day listener question segment today's question comes from nathan howard from kentucky and nathan asks this i've grown up fishing with my dad here in eastern kentucky he's a good springtime fisherman but we both struggle here in the summertime the last two or three times we've been out we've been beating the banks and i know because of visual reasons the bass are schooling out in the middle of the lake but without any electronics we don't know how to catch them in open water without seeing them come up on the surface what are some techniques we could use to find those bass without seeing them on the surface
4: you know that's a great question um it's a really tough question i mean even with electronics catching bass that are out roaming to a bus shed or whatever out over a point or just out in the abyss. I mean, I've definitely seen them do that on deep, clear lakes. That can be a tough situation. What I like to do is have a bait that you can throw a long ways and cover a lot of water. And so just say you're visually seeing bass coming up in a general area out there. What I would do at that point is try to get out there inside the general area and throw something such as like a Little George or a Wing Dang, you know, a tail spinner type bait that weighs an ounce and it's pretty small and you can throw it a long ways. More than likely the fish are feeding on small bait and something that's small is going to get a bite if you get it out there around one. And so I would get out in the general area and just start fan casting. And when you catch one, you know, you can both throw in that general area until the fish have moved and then just keep firing around and keep you a good topwater handy or whatever you like to catch schooling fish on so that way when they come up out around you, you can uh, be ready to throw, you know, something else, catch them on that top water, get some surface activity going on. And uh, But I think probably the biggest thing to do is, if you can't visually, you know, graph them on electronics, but you know they're in a general area, get you a bait that you know you cover a lot of water with and be efficient with. And I feel like a uh, you know something like a little George or whatever would be a really good choice in that situation.
2: Well, Nathan, thanks for sending in that question to Bass Edge Radio Ingestion. Certainly we appreciate your response. Be sure, Nathan, let us know you heard your question answered by going to our website at BassEdge.com. Click on that claim your prize tab, send in your address, and we will will mail out that O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card.
1: And as always, listeners, you can post those questions on our Facebook page, Twitter page, or send us an email, support at BassEdge.com. You could be the next O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card winner.
2: Well, Justin, we really appreciate you taking time out of your crazy, insane schedule to be on the show. Any thoughts uh, as as you get ready to hit the water again today before we shut this down?
4: Yeah, first thing I'd like to say is, you know, if anybody out there would like to follow me, um, you can go to Facebook, I have a Fan page, it's just Justin Atkins, and on my Twitter and Instagram, it's Justin Atkins Fishing. And then I just want to take a second, you know, talk about some of my sponsors. First one, first and foremost, Prime One Camo. They uh, went out on a limb this year and, you know, sponsored a rookie, took a chance with me. There was a lot of people on tour they could have sponsored, but they chose me, so I, I greatly appreciate them. TH Marine, Abu Garcia, Berkeley, and uh Ranger Mercury and Power Pole. That is just the most unbelievable combination. You know, I've run all year. I, I love that big Ranger, you know, it doesn't matter how rough it gets. I have no issue running out right across it. I never think twice about it. We just go and uh that Mercury does great, cranks up every single time. I've never had an issue out of my I've been running them for a couple of years now, and I never go to the shop. I absolutely love it. And the biggest thing I'd like to talk about is my Holland You know, that was a huge key to me winning this cup. A lot of people talk about not being able to say that it came out. I run the new, you know, Helix 12s with Mega Images. It was unbelievable how well I could see the cover. I could see the fish inside the cover. It just it really helped me get dialed in on which cane piles I needed to be fishing, which ones I needed to just pass
1: up. That's awesome, Justin. Uh, I'm sure those folks just as happy as you are to be associated with them. They're probably just as happy to be associated with you. You've been a great champion. Look forward to watching how your career continues on. We gotta leave you off though with our little segment. Four last questions for you. You all set, buddy? Absolutely. All right, fillet bass yes or no no absolutely not what is the last picture you took with your phone
3: um
4: last picture would be of my black lab zeus and what's your most recent family memory my family being on stage with me at the cup you know that's that's the most recent and definitely
1: the most uh, memorable for sure and if you could have one late to compete on what would it be possibly Lake Murray. <laughs> That's a great answer, man. I, <laughs> I, I'm sure you've are you got a close relationship with that lake now and, and for uh, no other reason than being the Forest Wood Cup champion, man. Congratulations, Justin. We appreciate you being with us here today. Bass Edge Radio will return right after this message.
3: Patented in 2000. Perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment. The Powerhole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole. Swift. Silent. Secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you.
2: The Young Guns getting it done again, Kurt, and I sincerely appreciated Justin's, uh, certainly all of his knowledge, but one thing that really stuck out was that top water in his hands, two rods on the deck going for that five to eight bites a day.
1: Yeah man he obviously had it dialed in to get not only just a few bites a day but the reason he's getting a few bites a day is because he's really targeting those winning fish. He talked about you know no points on the line not worried about you know finishing 10th versus 5th or whatever. He was just all in on the W something again I think part of the interview talked about that mentality with some of these younger anglers that just freshness the freshness of what's going on through their mind, really helping them strive and have some great, phenomenal success. You know, another thing real quick about that big bass lure that he was using, the Ima Stick 135, you know, he used it in chrome color. There's a lot of great colors out there, obviously. Chrome is a different player. You know, it's got tons of flash. He talked about trying to make almost not only a lure that looked like a bait fish to effectively, you know, get the bass to react to it, but almost like he was trying to cause an entire commotion to make the fish feel like there was other predators around feeding on some surface activity. So that big lure really helped draw attention, get some of those bigger bites. And that chrome color, I think probably had a lot of flash that helped, you know, seem like there were scales flying everywhere up there on the surface when it's creating all that commotion. So, uh, anyway, it was an awesome interview. Great to talk to Justin. I think he's going to be in the industry for a long time, you know, and always wishing all of Bass Edge guests super success. So, uh, we're going to be following along, man.
2: No doubt, and not only did his bait have a lot of flash, he had a lot of flash in his presentations, and just the ability to communicate, which is always so important, and always such a pleasure to do interviews with. You know, for our audience, that you can take a lot from. Unfortunately, though, we are out of time. Before we get out of here, though, just a reminder: make sure get on all the Bass Edge social media. The new Instagram that Kurt likes to make fun of me at, which is at Bass Edge Radio, and then, of course, we have our staples: the Twitter and Facebook. That's where we're going to be doing the upcoming September giveaway. It is here. It's the O'Reilly Auto Parts $100 gift card. So, in the meantime, check it out. Get entered. Good luck. Hope you guys win. But for Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, I am Aaron Martin. Thanks for choosing to spend your time with us here on Bass Edge Radio. So long, everybody.
0: is presented by Megaware Keelguard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.